Thank you. You may be seated. Well, this week, by phone call, by cell uh, phone, by, by uh, uh, text or by note, we have heard from 16 states uh, that pick up uh, our program and uh, our services by live stream. And otherwise, those that uh, are listening in to our devotions day by day, and we praise God for each and every one of them. You say, which states are they? Alaska, California, Georgia, Mississippi, Florida, South Carolina, North Carolina, Maryland, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Arkansas, Wisconsin, and Michigan, as well as Virginia, and international and military folks as well. We have heard from uh, over half of our states and from uh, around the world, and our audience now numbers uh, several times of what our normal crowd would be. And uh, if we had to fit everybody in here that, that uh, uh, gets uh, our services anytime during the course of the month, we'd have to have three services. So God is blessing in that respect, and I thank you for your faithfulness. I, I'd like to thank you for remembering to give the tithes and the offerings. We have envelopes available, and we have a special love offering envelope that is available for project right now. Uh, we have uh, raised enough money for over a year's rent for the Briones family in the Philippines, and we pay their rent, and so thank you for giving to that. Now, use those red envelopes from this point on as we raise enough money to uh, move some newer pews from a church in Akron, Ohio, down to one of our mission churches. Brother Raymond Beckles is the mission pastor in Newport, Arkansas. And so we're doing that, and so if you would like to help, uh, we have pledged $1,050, anything extra over and above that. We'll go into uh, new missions and praise the Lord for that. So thank you so much for your faithfulness and for your giving. We'll be receiving an offering in just a little while, but many of you have sent in those offerings and you have brought them by and dropped them off and you've been very faithful in your giving for which we praise the Lord. Many of you are praying on a daily basis, Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. I believe God wants to heal us, not just from COVID-19, but I believe He wants to heal our nation spiritually. I'm praying for revival. How about you? Amen. All across our audience, uh, we are praying for that revival to take place and uh, we have been, uh, we, we've done a good job. I want to, I'm not patting myself, but my people on the back. You have done an excellent job during this lockdown time. We have not actually locked down the church. And the reason we haven't locked down the church is because we were not mandated to do so. We have been following the guidelines that were given to us. And uh, as a result of that, we started live streaming. Many folks who have access to to YouTube and Facebook have been taken in the services and they say, Preacher, it's, it, it must be a full crowd the way you talk to the folks there. But um, I, I'm just, I'm speaking to thousands of people out here potentially uh, and they're not all sitting here. So we haven't broken any rules. We haven't violated any guidelines. Uh, we believe in reasonable health precautions and not panicking people and uh, we don't want to I don't want to pander to anybody, and I don't want to just sit here and twiddle my thumbs either, but we have been more busy. How many of you have been taking in the devotionals on each morning? Yes, and I get uh, 
uh, among most of those who have contacted it, it was about the devotion. Something spoke to the heart. I also sent out a, a choir number from back in the 1960s at a great church, and that was an encouragement to some people as well. But we sympathize with those who have been infected, and we certainly uh, we weep with those who weep if they're bereaved because they've lost, uh, they're mourning the, the loss of a family member or friend. And we are ready to begin a reasonable transition, I would say. And we are not rabble-rousers. There, there are all extremes. You've got to, don't feel sorry for the preacher, okay? Uh, when, when I signed on for this, when I volunteered uh, and God brought me into His service, I knew, <clears throat> my dad told me, he said, Son, you're never going to please in, uh, the whole crowd. You're never going to please everybody. And that's a fact. Uh, my dad's prophecy has come true. I have never pleased everybody all the time. Uh, what I hope to do is make the devil mad. I hope to do that. And I think I, I've raised enough dust to do that. But when it comes to, you know, people think we're not doing enough or we're doing too much or whatever, there's a, there's a tug of war that goes on. You know what? My desire is to please King Jesus first and foremost. Can I get an amen? Amen. Not to cause problems. So as the governor of Virginia has said, he gave us a hint, he gave us a clue, and said that he would like to see the day when we get back to a certain percentage of capacity, and we're going to let you know as soon as the leaders in Northern Virginia convene, and they meet, and, uh, and we can, you know, get the all clear or the green light to move forward, uh, that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be moving forward. In the meantime, we're just, uh, we're just waiting we're going to wait and see. That's our attitude. All of our ministries that require uh, close contact are on hold, awaiting that green light uh, to move forward. Uh, so we're going, to, we're going to continue to live stream. We may be able to welcome more people in, and that's fine. Uh, however, uh, the Lord would have us do that. But we will keep you posted, and uh, we continue to do things decently and in order. All right, it is Mother's Day. How many of you are glad for moms? You ought to be. Amen. I'm glad my mom wanted me, didn't, didn't give two thoughts to not having me. Uh, she loved me. She still loves me. She's 103. I spoke to her. She, uh, she is still convinced that I am perfect. And with, with wisdom and judgment like she has, I mean, what can I say? Amen. But... Um, uh, I sent out a text and I said, let me know about your, uh, you know, how many kids you got, grandkids and so forth. And so uh, the following, if you're out there, I hope you're listening. Uh, Rita Shaw has three kids, six grandkids and one great. Diane Coons has two kids, five grandkids, two greats. Gene Owen has uh, one daughter and two granddaughters. Fran has three children seven grandchildren, one in heaven, and four greats. Is that correct? I got it right. Okay. Now, I didn't give you all the names, but I, there we, we're, we're acknowledging you. God bless you. Martha Coronado, four kids, six grandkids. Terry Sacon, two kids, five grandkids. Uh, Virginia Ward, two kids, two grandkids. Jeannie Rainey, two kids, four grandkids. Linda Ross, four kids, two grandkids. We want to honor all of them. My wife, two children. Seven grandchildren, one of which is in heaven. My mom, 103. Three kids. 
seven grandkids, one of which is in heaven, thirteen great-grandchildren, one of which is in heaven, and two great-great-grandchildren, at least. I didn't get a count from her. I'm, I'm not sure would have been exactly right on, but praise the Lord. Three kids, praise the Lord. How many kids you got, Valeria? Come on now. Five. Five. All right, amen. How many, how many grands? One. Amen. Praise the Lord. Isn't God good? Amen. So we're, we're thanking God for all the moms. And if your mom is in heaven and she has left you a godly example today, we honor her. Uh, woman of character. Praise the Lord. Uh, I didn't list some of the folks that I know have lots of kids and grandkids. Beverly Purdy. She always has about 16 or 18 or whatever back there. Beverly, if you're watching, I called your name. I don't have the exact number. God knows, and, and I hope you know. All right? God bless you, all you moms. Uh, Judy Powell. I, don't, I didn't get a number, but I know every time we do this, you got a bunch of kids, grandkids. Lila Branscombe always has a bunch. Doesn't always... Tell us how many, but she, she's got a bunch as well. And, and then you got folks like Ginger. Ginger, you're watching. Ginger uh, has got kids, but she raised a bunch of kids. And folks have done that, and we include those too. If you take them in and you raise them and you give them good godly instruction, well, praise the Lord. We thank God for you. Some of the favorite things that have been mentioned, the, of, of all people, when I ask the favorite verse, this one pops up a lot. I don't know if it's the favorite verse, but 1 Peter 5, 7, Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you, is one of the favorite verses among the moms. Uh, I've asked about favorite songs. In the Garden pops up a lot, as does Amazing Grace. Um, uh, uh, there are a lot of other favorites as well. And uh, colors, I wore this tie in honor of the favorite color. Of the moms, as you see, multi, many favorite colors, and that's good. And flowers, like we said, roses and other flowers as well. I don't know what your particular favorite is, but we honor all the moms today, the godly moms especially, and we want them, according to Proverbs 31, to be in, I-N, our lives. First of all, with an investment of time. Are you listening? An investment of time of life, of energy. Susanna Wesley, I believe she had 19 children, 17 lived, something like that, and spent an hour every week with each child. And that's an investment of time, life, and energy. You can't put a price tag on that. Investment. Instruction. Instruction. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Uh, we, we believe in empirical truth. Yes, absolutely. Absolute truth. But also there is practical life training. How many things did your mom teach you? Practical things. Which fork to use? All right? Which, which thing not to do at the table? And, and what to, how to walk and how to behave yourself and how to clean and how to, how to sort and how to organize. All kinds of practical things. These are important. Do you know that when it comes to godliness, learning the Bible, knowing your scripture, being able to, to quote it, that's important. But also, it's important to put these into practical usage. And every boy and girl, 
And every teenager and adult and every young adult and every one of us now who's reached maturity, as we think back on our godly instruction, we were taught to do things. Maybe you, have a, maybe you put your shoes or you hang your clothes in your closet a certain way because mom taught you. Maybe you make your bed or you fold your towels or whatever it is that you do a certain way because of mom. And every time you do that next time, I want you to think about her. And thank God for her. Thank God for her influence in your life. And that's number three. We have investment of time, life, and energy, instruction of training, and then influence. Influence by life. Influence by example. I'm so very thankful for all the moms today. And God bless you. We're going to have a special prayer right now for all the moms. Father, we thank you for the mothers, grandmothers, great-grandmothers who are present and those who are listening and those who are viewing and Lord, we think of those that have passed on and we thank you for them and ask now, Lord, that you will help us in this time as we bring this message that we might properly honor them in Jesus' name. Amen. On the cover of your bulletin, it says, Mary, the mother of Jesus. That is our title today. Mary, the mother of Jesus. And why would we speak of her in this way? Because she is a woman that everybody immediately recognizes as an example. And if I were to ask you a question, what is Mary's greatest accomplishment? Unfortunately, probably the number one answer would be why she gave birth as the virgin mother of Jesus Christ to the Savior of the world. And while that is so very important, I have to say to you right now that I do not personally believe and I don't believe the Bible teaches that Mary's greatest accomplishment in her life was to give birth to the baby Jesus who became the Savior of the world. See, really? Truly? Absolutely. I want you to see some characteristics of this dear lady as we raise the scriptures and uh, bring her to the forefront and show her as the example that she is of godly motherhood. Now if we go all the way back to the book of Genesis and we start there in chapter number 3, it says in verse 15, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. We believe this is the first prophetic mention of the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. Everywhere else in the Bible and in literature of this kind, the seed is already, always connected with uh, and is always mentioned in connection with uh, the man, the man and his offspring. But here we have the seed of the woman, the only place that that appears. It tells us very subtly that there's going to be a different kind of a birth. A kind of a birth that is not going to require a physical father because God is going to be the father and the woman is going to conceive this child of the Holy Ghost. How important is that? It is all important. It's also uh, once again mentioned in the book of Isaiah. Let's turn there. In Isaiah, in chapter number 7. Isaiah chapter number 7. In verse number 14. 
Therefore the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call His name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So we have a most unusual conception. There is no other case of a virgin birth in human history. Mary herself was not conceived in a virgin birth, even though there is a religion that by false tradition teaches that. The Immaculate Conception, as it is called, is not referring to Jesus being conceived of Mary, but rather Mary being conceived of her mother. And this is false teaching. It is heresy. Mary was not a sinless being. She is not, as is taught, the mother of God, except as Jesus Christ is the God-man, God in flesh. But she is not the mother of God. She is not the fourth member of the Godhead. Uh, she does not have godlike powers. We do not pray to Mary, though we venerate her memory, and we thank God for her. It is for this very reason that I want to be clear. While the virgin birth is essential, and while it is a tremendous accomplishment, it is not the greatest accomplishment in the life of Mary, the mother of Jesus. You say, what is? I'm glad you asked. We're going to take you to the Gospels, and we are going to see in Matthew chapter 1, Matthew chapter 1, we draw out of the Old Testament the reference from Isaiah chapter 7. And we read in verse 18 of Matthew chapter 1, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When His Mary mother was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Why? For he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus, same as Joshua in the Old Testament, means deliverer or savior. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, that's Isaiah, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Notice it's spelled with an E there. It's an I in the Old Testament. Emmanuel, which being interpreted, is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. Now listen to me. This is important for us to get. Here we have divine instructions being given. Mary is subject to these divine instructions, though they're directed uh, more to Joseph, who will not be the physical father of the Savior, but will be in the home and responsible for so much in the development and the raising of this child. Now, in Luke's Gospel, if we'll turn over there, two books, please. Luke's Gospel... And it says in chapter 1 and verse 26, And in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou 
that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. Now if she is virgin born, which she is not, and if she is a member of the Godhead, which she is not, and if she is the mother of God, which she is not, then she would not question these things. But she has normal human questions. It is no sin for us to desire clarification in order that we might perfectly obey what God requires of us. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Now if she is a member of the Godhead, she's not going to experience fear. But she is not a member of the Godhead. Notice in verse 31, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? I haven't had a physical relationship, she's saying in that. So this is a virgin girl. We don't know how old she is. There are those who suggest that she may have been a very young teenager. We don't know that for a fact. That's only speculation. But she is asking a normal question. How can this happen? I haven't had a physical relationship. It doesn't happen that way under normal circumstances. It takes a physical relationship to bear a child. But she has not had one. Now, if she is the mother of God, she doesn't question this. If she is a member of the Godhead, she doesn't question this. Uh, if she has a virgin birth of her own, she doesn't question this. But none of those things are true. None of those things were true in her case. She was a normal, young teenager, uh, perhaps a young woman who normally questions because she knows before God, in the presence of this angel, she has not had a physical relationship with a man. And so how is this going to happen? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And then she goes on, he goes on to say about Cousin Elizabeth and how nothing is impossible. Cousin Elizabeth in her old age is going to have a, a, a child, a son also, John the Baptist, and nothing is impossible. Now please notice this in verse 38. And Mary said, these are her, her words, recorded in Scripture, okay, recorded accurately, recorded correctly in the presence of God's messenger, the angel. She said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Would to God, not only Mary, who is the one who gives birth, as a virgin to the sinless Son of God and is the vehicle by which, the channel through which the Son of God, the Savior of the world, comes into this world. Wonderful, wonderful truth. But I would to God that every mother, that every woman, that every person who claims the name of Jesus Christ would say, Behold the handmaid or the servant of the Lord. Uh, be it unto me according to thy word. Whatever the Bible says, that's what I'm willing to be and to do. What is it that is Mary's greatest accomplishment? Is it the virgin birth 
I have to say to you right now, I believe the greatest accomplishment on the part of Mary, the mother of Jesus, is her humbly and honestly believing as a woman of God and as a woman of faith, believing on the one who would come into this world, the one who would be her son, the one that she would give birth to, the sinless son of God, the lamb of God, to save her soul from hell, to pay the debt of her own sin. Her greatest accomplishment is to do that. May I say to you, even though nobody in this audience or in the viewing audience will ever give birth to the sinless Son of God as Mary did, your greatest accomplishment is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and to trust Him as your Savior. For every one of us, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, needs a Savior. Everybody requires payment of the sin debt, and she received the payment of her sin debt by her own son who died in our place and in her place for sin. Number two, even ahead, even ahead of her bearing the Son of God, I would say also a great accomplishment was believing in His ability to always supply the need. See, she trusted God for this virgin birth, but she trusted her son to supply the need. You say, how do you know that? Why, you go to John chapter 2, and you find in John chapter 2 that they are in attendance at a wedding celebration. And there is a shortage of wine. And Jesus gives orders so that the water will be turned into wine miraculously, and Mary says to the servants, whatever he says, do it. Are you listening to me? Now you may think that you especially venerate Mary by doing something else beyond what the Scripture says. You may think that you raise her higher on the pedestal than we do because you do something that's not required in Scripture. Let me tell you right now, Mary is saying, whatever Jesus says, you do it. Her greatest accomplishment was believing on her son. Right up there, her belief that whatever he does is right. And whatever he does should be obeyed. And that he will supply the need. Wow. Number three. Her great accomplishment was trusting his word for all the answers to what we'll ever need. And trusting by faith that all the challenges of life will be met. And this was symbolized because there she was at the cross. And as Jesus, the Savior of the world, hung upon the cross, He looked down at that scene. And there were some women included among them, His earthly mother, Mary. He looked down and He said, Mother, John's going to be your son. John's going to take care of you. John, take care of Mama. All the words of Jesus, the compassionate words of Jesus as He's suffering as the sin bearer of the sins of all mankind hanging upon the cross. He takes time to say, Mama, John's going to take care of you. John, you take care of Mama. What a great example our Savior is. And isn't it wonderful that Jesus' mother was there at the cross? Now I know in certain, uh, in c certain motion pictures, we see 
certain things according to tradition that are not in the Scripture. Let me tell you, the Bible is clear. She was there watching her son die. He was dying for the sins of the whole world. He was dying for her sins too. She was there. She was present. She saw him die. She heard his words upon the cross. She heard him say, I thirst. She heard him quote Psalm 22, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? She heard the last words of Jesus. She was there as her son in the flesh hung upon the cross and suffered for sin. She was there. She trusted in what he said. Jesus Christ didn't stay in the tomb. She's a witness. And as he rises from the dead, she is a witness. So much so that when Jesus ascends to the right hand of the Father, in Acts chapter 1, we read about those who were present, and I want you to read the scripture that is the text today. Those that met together as the church to conduct the business of the Lord, they returned after seeing Jesus ascend. And in verse number 13, And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon Zelotes, Judas the brother of James. All these, these all continued, every one of them, with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with all his brethren. Those who had previously come, according to the book of Mark, and stood on the outside of the place where Jesus was ministering, wanting to take him home, worried about his sanity, worried about him when he was ministering to the multitudes. These now have believed on him. Those that did not previously know him in a personal way. And Mary, the mother of Jesus Christ, is there. Her great accomplishment, her great accomplishment, believing as a woman of God and in faith in God, with faith in God, on her own firstborn son as the Lamb of God to save her soul from hell and pay the debt to transform her life, believing in His Word that He would supply the need, that He would do. This same Jesus is coming back, trusting His Word for all the answers to life, living by faith as she did symbolized by her attendance at the cross and knowing of His resurrection and knowing of, of His promises to the church and being present there for that 10-day prayer meeting. Think about it. Think about it. We do not have the actual Scripture that says that she lived a long time. Tradition, tradition once again of false religion, says that she died very young and that she is buried in some venerated spot that they have so designated by one of their monuments. But more trustworthy than that, writers of the first century said that she grew to an extended age, and that she accompanied John when he went and pastored in the New Testament, the church known as the church at Ephesus. And there is a grave spot that is so designated in Ephesus, where the mother of Jesus, who had become the adopted mom of John, the beloved, is buried. Now, I do not know this for a fact. I am just offering it for your edification that you might understand 
that what is taught by some religion is kind of like the news that's given by the media today. Most of it isn't worth wrapping your fish in and throwing away. Most of what we are told is not true. Most of it is spin. And so there's a lot of early first century spin that's not true about the mother of Jesus Christ. I personally would choose to believe those first century writers who said that she lived to an advanced age and she may have been in her 80s when she passed on. That's very possible there in modern day Turkey at the church known as Ephesus that was pastored by her adopted son, John. Meanwhile, a great legacy. Her son Jude wrote the book of Jude. Her son James wrote the book of James and pastored the first church at Jerusalem. What a wonderful legacy this lady had. She had that legacy because she had set an example. She had set the standard very high for people to follow. And that standard is to believe on Jesus Christ first and foremost that makes all the difference in eternity. Number two, to believe, to believe that He can supply, that He can do whatever needs to be done. Some of you right now are overwhelmed by fear, paralyzed by uh, uncertainty in these difficult times. Let me tell you that Jesus Christ is greater than coronavirus. And let me tell you, you can believe on Him for salvation, you can believe on Him for supply, you can believe His Word to help you face all of your challenges day by day. Pastor Joseph Parker, who pastored the church across town from Spurgeon in the same days in London, said this, Blessed are the men who have had praying mothers. The influence of that fact they cannot shake off. They may curse and swear and go to the very boundary of the pit and into the pit, but I question whether through all their sufferings they can ever shake off the influence of having had a praying mother. The mother's devotion comes up in the boy's veneration, love of right, conscientiousness, magnanimous hope, gentle courage. Today I want to honor all the moms, but I want to honor the mom of Jesus Christ. She was at a 10-day prayer meeting. Think about that. She wasn't off someplace uh, wearing black and hanging crepe on the door because her Savior had died and then been ascended to heaven. But instead, she was praying and looking forward to the positive things that God was about to do in and through the church and His own people as they were endued with power from on high on the day of Pentecost. I tell you right now, moms, we need to not be wearing the black and the crepe and thinking everything is going to be bad, but instead look ahead, be positive to the restart that God's going to give us, to the revival that God's going to give us, to the renewal that God is going to give us. Things are not going to get worse. Praise God, they're going to get better in Jesus Christ and for His glory. And we ought to be encouraging people to do that right now. What an influence. Praying mothers. Mothers like Moses' mother. Mothers like Samuel's mother. Mothers like our Savior's mother. The influence of those moms, the prayer life of those moms cannot be minimized. Why, their prayer life makes all the difference. One writer has said, Moms, you need to pray for your kids about the following areas. And here, according to this author, are the most important five areas. Number one, pray that your child is free from pride. Because pride is the granddaddy of all sin. 
If we raise up our kids to think that we've taught them, we've treated them like they're little mini-gods, instead of raising them up to be balanced individuals, trusting the Lord, believing as we've just spoken, while we raise them up in pride, and they grow up in pride, and they become, what do you expect? They become just like Lucifer who fell in pride. So pray that your child is free from pride and deal with their pride on the basis of the Word of God. Number two, the author says, pray that your child is free from fear. And the best way to do that is to not show them fear. Show them reverence and respect for God Almighty, but not fear for the circumstances, the situations, the shortfalls that we are experiencing, the things that may be happening or that could happen. Instead of showing fear, you show power and love and a sound mind, as it says in 2 Timothy 1, 7. Number three, the author says, pray that your child is free from unfounded anger. Now the Bible says, be angry and sin not. But too often we're just allowed to show a temper tantrum and show our displeasure and show our bad attitude. And if we want children to grow up to be an honor and a blessing to God and to others, we need to pray that they'll be free from pride and free from fear and free from that kind of anger. Number four, pray that your child is free from anxiety. Be careful for nothing. Be careful. Don't be full of care. Don't be full of anxiety over things. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. And depression leads to terrible things. The reason why this pandemic needs to end, and by the grace of God it needs to end sooner rather than later, is because the churches are empty, but the bars are full. That's right. The clubs are full. Now you can go places in this country and you can go to a club and you can go to a bar, but you can't go to a church. There's something wrong with this picture. Do you know that all kinds of, of emotional distress and mental distress and did you know that suicide is on the rise and drug addiction is on the rise and it's happening because the churches are empty? What I'm saying to you right now, yes, we are law-abiding, Romans chapter 13 Christians, but I believe it's time the church house was full. I believe it's time the preaching of the Word of God was unbounded. And preachers, when they get back, don't stand up there like you're frozen on the spot. Preach the paint off the walls. Give an invitation. Tell them clearly how to be saved. Draw the net. Preach old-time revival. People not only need to get saved, they need to get right with God and get back to the things of God. Number five, the author says, pray that your child will be free from bitterness. Many children are growing up with bitterness, a bitter spirit, because they were mistreated, abused, treated wrong, not treated properly, not raised right. And they go through life with bitterness and, and they pass it on to several generations and they touch the lives of other people, not with goodness and gladness and joy, but instead with bitterness. Those are some areas we need to pray about. Thank God for moms who stand up for right things. My wife has a book she likes to read, written by a Scandinavian young lady that grew up in a preacher's home. And it's entitled, First We Have Coffee. And here's something I asked her to give me because she was reading, she shares these things. All right, that's a good thing to do. Husbands and wives, read good things and share them. This young lady grew up to write this book. Ironing days were full of talk. Childish problems and questions were discussed in the classroom disguised as Mama's Kitchen. I like that. They were discussed in the classroom... Disguised as mama's kitchen. Now, the particular, in this case, 
dad was a preacher, but he was unreachable. Within him spanned the stretch of the mountains, the depth of the valley, the pounding of the surf, the lonely cry of the seagull. He could place a compassionate arm around a man stumbling in the gutter and lead him to God, but he couldn't hear his children say, Talk to us, Father. He couldn't reach us. Here it is. But Dad gave us the best that he had. He gave us Mama. Come on now. To him she was a ruby without price, the woman above all women who would show his children how to obey commands and live daily out the why of those commands. I like that. I like that. So I'm going to give you something to sink your teeth into and to take with you. Mary's greatest accomplishment should be your great accomplishment. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Believe in His supply of every need. Believe in His Word and trust His Word to face the challenges of life. As we need Jesus Christ through life, she needed Christ and she accepted her own Son as her personal Savior. And that's what we need to choose and decide to do. Here's what we can do for moms. We can carry out these very important steps. Number one, learn the principles of biblical motherhood. Lift up those principles. Lift up scriptural motherhood. Motherhood is not an accidental condition. Motherhood should be according to the Word of God. We should speak the truth in love about motherhood. Number two, frequently encourage using edifying loving, positive words. Encourage all who will hear the truth of God's Word and will yield to God in terms of biblical motherhood. Not whatever motherhood is becoming or is not becoming out there in the world. That is not the standard. This book, I'm talking about the Bible, is the standard. It's not some other standard. Thank God for the women who are examples of those principles of motherhood. Number three, pray for mothers everywhere to be led of the Spirit of God to pursue godly motherhood. You can't force people. You can't line them up at gunpoint and make them live godly lives. So learn those principles. Lift them up. Speak the truth in love. Encourage all who will hear to yield in biblical motherhood. Number three, pray for mothers everywhere to be led of the Spirit of God to pursue godly motherhood. And then here it is. Consciously endeavor. Number four, to raise boys and girls to be men and women of God. We need to combat godless, secular humanism and worldliness, worldly ideas on this and any subject. We need to make sure that we adhere to the Word of God. And then number five, we need to obey the Word of God. Obedience needs to be from the heart, without a bad attitude, without mumbling and grumbling and murmuring and complaining. We need to adhere to and obey the Word of God. Of God. That's what we can do for mothers today. That's it. Learn the principles. Encourage all. Pray for them. Raise boys and girls to be men and women of God. And make sure that we obey from the heart. From the heart. Today, how's your heart? Today, I'm not talking about how many beats per minute. I'm not talking about the relative strength of the valves and of the arteries and the veins. I'm not talking about the muscle that beats in your chest. I'm talking about where you make life's most important decisions. How about your heart? How is your heart? Have you given your heart to God? Have you given yourself to Jesus Christ? 
Have you done what Mary did, the greatest accomplishment in life? Receive Christ. Believe He'll supply. Trust His Word. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, please? Every head bowed. Every eye closed. And nobody looking. And how many of you today would say, Preacher, something in the Word, something in the message spoke to my heart today. Slip your hand up high. Something spoke to my heart. Amen and amen. You know, God's got a wonderful plan for us. And in just a moment, we're going to extend an invitation. And I encourage you to come. Now, I know I've spoken a little bit longer, having said some things about moms, but I believe these were necessary. And so right now, we're going to pray and offer the invitation. If you'd like to come and have a word of prayer, I encourage you to come. Father, we thank you now for the way that you're going to move in and among us and help us now to yield to you. In Jesus' name. Were 
it's not for grace I can tell you where I'd be wandering down some pointless road to nowhere with my salvation up to me I know how that would go battles I would face, forever running but losing the race, were it not for grace. I'm forever running but losing the race. Were it not for